Lord insulted a swat? The Titan of Terror. The Colossus of Clout? The Colossus of Clout. The King of Crash, man. So? I lied. Oh, yeah, the Great Bambino. Of course. I thought you said the Great Bambi. That wimpy deer? Hey, cassettes, welcome back to another episode of the Black Case Diaries. Hey. <laughs> hey. Uh, I was considering doing it like a like a old school announcer or something, oh. but it just didn't happen. Maybe I whatever. Welcome, I welcome, welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are three old friends learning everything we can about movies and TV, and hopefully teaching you in the process. I'm Adam. I'm Marcy. I'm Robin. Back in the early 90s, audiences experienced a film that made them feel so nostalgic, it morphed from a mildly successful hit into a cult classic. Yeah. <laughs> Nostalgia. Uh-huh. The Sandlot found the magic formula previously perfected by productions like A Christmas Story and The Wonder Years. It balanced the references and experience that older adults would recognize with the comedic sincerity with which all children could relate. Yeah, the thing about the Sandlot, that's what we're talking about this week. Yes. Woo, yeah. The Sandlot. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. The thing about the Sandlot is it's a lot like a Christmas story, but it's summertime. You know, mm-hmm. it's narrated, you know, all this. Yeah. We watched this movie every summer when I was a kid at 4th of July. Mm-hmm. My dad loved watching it with us because it took place during a time when my dad was a kid. Yes. So this was a movie that you could watch... With adults, Mm -hmm. and it was like you both really enjoyed it. Yes. The Sandlot was so popular among children of the 90s, watching it was almost like a rite of passage. Growing up, it was the movie that many children could quote with perfection, from the hilariously dramatic forever (laughs) to the universally adopted you're killing me smalls. But the movie didn't just appeal to kids. The film crossed the generational divide, placing adults and kids on a level field. Everyone who loved the film also seemed to connect with it for the same reasons. It didn't matter what sport you loved, if any, or if you grew up in the city instead of a rural town. The Sandlot tapped into the magic of summer, the thrill of childhood problems, and the strength between childhood friends. Yeah. Yep. This was a movie that you felt nostalgic for, even if it didn't even resemble your childhood mm-hmm. yeah, yep. in any way. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Even, yep. even watching it the first time, you felt nostalgic about the story of the movie and also the movie itself. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So it's like double nostalgia bomb and it's yeah crazy. Yeah. That's what it's like now when we watch it. Because yeah. we watch it now yeah. and it's like it just reminds us of our childhood because we watched this growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also... You know, when you're Just watching layers. the movie, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you're like, man, so I remember when I cared about dumb things. Mm-hmm. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. yep. it's kind of yep. one of those things that you think about when you're watching it. Or yeah. when you're scared of doing something new, like you're like, yeah. I really think I'd like this, but like I might really suck at it. Mm-hmm. And then like you <laughs> yeah. try it and you're like, I don't want to suck in front of these awesome people Dude. that already know it. Like I, yeah. even you Ugh. know, I wasn't very big on playing baseball or anything. I feel like as a kid, I know yeah. I did softball. Um, <laughs> I know, yeah, but you could just relate with how the kids felt. Sure, yeah, yeah. Like like you said here, it's it doesn't necessarily have to be mm-hmm. about a sport. Yeah, or yep. baseball or anything. It could. It, there are a lot of things where you get that same feeling. Mm-hmm. So. As the summer winds down, let's head back to the Sandlot and learn all about its history. Yay! Yay. Oh, man. (sighs) Man, I love baseball. (laughs) It's my favorite sport. And I loved this movie for a lot of reasons. I wanted to dress like the boys in the Mm -hmm. movie. Mm -hmm. I I remember I started wearing Converse's. I Uh, asked for Converse's for Christmas, you know, and... And my sister was like, why? And I was like, well, that's what they wear in the Sandlot, you know? They yeah. wear they wear Converse's. Yep. And I would cuff my jeans like the boys do, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, and all of that stuff. And yeah, and I love baseball. So I was really familiar with the history in the movie, mm-hmm. the things that they talk about. My dad's mm-hmm. a huge sports guy. Mm-hmm. And he would tell me and he, he was more like a smalls. Um <laughs> not not like a Benny, more like a smalls no, where, yeah. you know, he knows everything about the sports didn't really play them right you know right. and uh, i think that 
you know, because I knew all of that history behind it, it was the movie was really special. Yeah. I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is one of the rare movies again that I was able to watch as a kid. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I of course loved it for that. And mm-hmm. yeah, just the, the boys and the PF flyers the pf too. flyers i was like i kind of always wanted a pair of those still <laughs> haven't got a pair of those i had i had They're a pair just, yeah my sister got me a pair from a goodwill nice oh, yeah dang nice. heck yeah did you run faster and jump higher Yes, you know what? Def- you did. Definitely. Yes, definitely, definitely, definitely. Sure, yep. it's not yep. a because placebo. science, it, it does it. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. This is one of those movies where I, I definitely did purposefully watch it, mm-hmm. but I caught it on TV a lot, mm-hmm. and sometimes it would be almost over. Sometimes yeah. it would be right in the middle. Yeah, sometimes it was just starting, but I would watch it every time yeah. because it's just. Got so many good moments. Mm-hmm. Again, the nostalgia. It's yep. it's so much fun. And rewatching it you know, is something that I could do yeah. at any moment. I think I think you and I watched it together once. Did we? Aww. Yeah, I think you came over and we watched it in my basement. Oh, oh. sounds about right. <laughs> On my I, VCR. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I would have done that. All right, so now is the time for a little summary of the movie, if you haven't had a chance to watch this one. In the summer of 1962, Scotty Smalls moves into a new neighborhood. Desperate to make friends, Smalls joins a group of local boys that play a daily game of baseball on a nearby sandlot. This lovable group of kids reluctantly accepts Smalls, despite the fact that he knows nothing about baseball. The boys get into all sorts of adventures throughout the summer. One day, one of the boys busts open their last ball. Eager to please his buddies, Smalls runs home and swipes a replacement ball from his stepdad's office. Funnily enough, Smalls hits his first ever home run with it, knocking it over the back fence and into the territory of the Beast, a famously vicious dog. When Smalls explains to the others that the ball was signed by baseball legend Babe Ruth, the group spends the rest of the summer <laughs> concocting ways to retrieve the ball. Oh, man. I love <laughs> I love how this movie just covers the gambit of summer. <laughs> you know, yeah. Because it's not, it, this movie doesn't take place over a week. Uh, no. Mm-hmm. Nope. It's their whole summer pretty much, and I love yeah. that. It's such an interesting thing to do. Yeah, you see it, they it's paced really well and mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. get to know the kids first and and they establish that Scotty knows nothing about baseball mm-hmm. so much so that he doesn't know who Babe Ruth is, which I feel like <laughs> yeah. in, in 1962 yeah. would be kind of like what? Yeah, I mean, yeah. To be honest, especially watching it now, I'm like how did that stepdad not say anything about right, baseball right like, why was he when he was putting because they very very clearly show you like yeah him putting the baseball on that little tripod type mm-hmm. stand and you can see scotty is watching him mm-hmm. and the, the yeah. stepdad no like he has could to have know said, like, yeah. yeah he could have been like hey yeah. come in here let me tell you about it, this ball but yeah. he didn't it's <laughs> this it's this really it's kind of almost like a b-plot in the movie yeah but like it's this really awkward yes. relationship mm-hmm. between him and his stepdad. They don't know how to mm-hmm. be around each other. They don't nope. know. And I feel like it's it really highlights <laughs> the relationship between fathers and sons yeah. in general and like mm-hmm. throughout time and like, you yeah. know what I mean? Because yeah. <laughs> I think that it, it can be a really difficult relationship, but especially yeah. where he's like, a stepdad and he yeah. just he just got into his life and it's just uh-huh. kind of like they don't have you know that communication yeah. and you know what i mean Scotty, he even like questions yeah. like do i call him dad do i call yeah him and his mom is constantly trying to get bill yes uh, to <laughs> to you know warm up to her son yeah. you know she's like come on you need to just put in a little effort you need bro. to help you need to do something we're he's, already married yeah so. he's a kid you gotta Work you know yeah yeah and so, like, you see her kind of doing that. But, yeah. like, yeah, you know, I think in this time period, it really was, like, the mothers were yeah. The, yeah. the nurturers. And they, you know, yeah. there really wasn't a lot of 
that. That's true. Yeah, going on. It does on. a good job of showing that. Yeah. Because sure. <laughs> yeah. now it's like, man, that's so frustrating. It is. It's, <laughs> right? It is frustrating. It's, you know, but, you know, it gets better in, yeah, as the movie goes, you know. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about how the movie was made. Uh, just a little bit. The Sandlot was written by Robert Gunter and David Mickey Evans. Evans also directed and narrated the film. The film was actually loosely based on Evans' childhood, specifically an event that happened to his little brother, Scott Evans. Uh-huh. Here's the story. David and Scott were the new kids in their California neighborhood just north of Los Angeles. Although he had been bullied by the other kids, Scott went to watch them play a neighborhood game of baseball. When the ball inevitably got knocked over the fence, Scott agreed to retrieve it in the hopes that it would earn him points with the others and the bullying would cease. The boys boosted him over and Scott soon realized that a large dog named Hercules waited on the other side. Because the dog had been chained up, Scott went to grab the ball. The chain snapped and Hercules chased Scott to a gnarled tree at the edge of the yard. Although he made it up the tree, the dog still got a hold of his leg. On his way home, Scott's mother picked him up and took him to the hospital. Yikes. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Not not quite such a happy I ending know, it's there not with so, the doggy. It, it's not so Hollywoody. No. <laughs> <laughs> Many pieces of the original story made it into the film. The visual of the chain snapping, right? You guys remember that yeah, part of the movie when the chain breaks? Mm-hmm. The name of the dog, and of course the issue of getting a baseball that had been hit over the fence. The real-life Hercules was actually a German Shepherd-Doberman-Pinscher mix. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why German Shepherds are chosen for, like, police dogs yeah. and yeah. military for dogs. Jobs. Yeah, Yeah. I think if you just... train them, they're really obedient and, mm-hmm. like, really... Yeah. But, like, God, they're scary. They'll mess you up, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. When he was writing the screenplay, David decided to recast the neighborhood boys as his friends and heroes, which helped him create the lovable gang of kids that we all remember from the film. Evans felt it was a cathartic way to forgive the young boys from his youth for the way they treated him and his brother. You know, in the beginning of the movie, they are kind of bullies. They yeah. are. Yeah. They really are. I mean, they don't want him to play... Mm-hmm. They, Benny has to convince them, Yeah, you know, like, no, right. no, we need another person. Mm-hmm. The original title of the movie was The Boys of Summer, which also happened to be the name of a 1972 nonfiction book by Roger Kahn. The Boys of Summer was about the Dodgers, and mm. it so it was also a baseball book. Yeah. David Evans claimed that Khan threatened to sue him if he gave the movie the same name, and Evans understood that it needed to change. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you know, yeah. <laughs> people might have thought that the movie was based on the book. Oh, yeah. Especially True. if it oh, was okay. a baseball movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. The field that the kids use in the movie wasn't originally written as a sandlot, but as a schoolyard. Evans explained in a Sports Illustrated interview that he grew up playing on the diamond at a local school when classes were done for the summer. The final name for the movie came about after it had been cut together. Because the kids mentioned the Sandlot so often in the film, Evans and the rest of the team decided that it made sense to call it the Sandlot. Very interesting. Because it's, yeah, it, it it doesn't really even look... Like a baseball diamond. It at doesn't. All. And, no. Yeah. yeah it's like, just a big old patch of sand. Yeah. And they just have some <laughs> things. As yeah. Like the bases, the bases out there. Yeah. And yeah. It's all yeah. like makeshift. Like the kids yeah, kind of came like up with everything. Trash can lid or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. It, it's funny that if they had done it at a schoolyard, it would have at least, at least presumably been an actual baseball yeah. diamond. Interesting. Exactly. Yeah. It is. And I love that it's called the Sandlot because I, I yeah. think that it kind of. It really grounds the movie in one place, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and because so much, ha- what else could you have called the movie? I, right. Yeah, I know. You know, besides the boys else. somewhere, right? Yeah. You know, <laughs> they're really, I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the I, swimming pool adventure. No, yeah, <laughs> I know. The baseball boys. The baseball boys. <laughs> the baseball boys. <laughs> Smalls balls. Smalls balls. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I think that I think calling it the Sandlot is really cool too because it mm-hmm. feels like the Sandlot itself is like a character. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, and yeah. and that's it's something the, that's really fun. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. the hub. It's where yeah. everything goes yeah. down. It's the it's the grounding yeah. point of the whole movie because to the kids, it's you know in a lot of movies like this. The perspective mm-hmm. of the kids, everything is larger than life, even yeah. though they're just playing baseball in the in a lot. You know? <laughs> yeah. But this is this is their whole life right now. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's very serious. Yeah. The Sandlot was filmed over the course of forty two days in the community of Glendale on the west side of Salt Lake City, Utah. Utah provided a similar visual setting to California and was a much more affordable option than Los Angeles. <laughs> The production team scouted locations like elementary schools and little league fields, but nothing seemed to fit the aesthetic of the film's time period. Production designer Chester Kaczynski decided that they would need to find a place and build it someplace with homes built in the 50s and 60s. They discovered a plot of land that was owned by the homeowners in the surrounding neighborhood. The production team made a deal with the owners, which allowed them to build everything they needed for the production in that spot. This included sets like Mr. Myrtle's house, the backstop, and the massive tree house. The empty sandlot is still there today and is still owned by the neighborhood. The exterior of Scotty's and Benny's homes were actual houses in the neighborhood that are still privately owned. Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so it's like yeah. they kind of had this run of the neighborhood and they were just filming yeah. everything there. I I hope I wish they would have, or at least I hope they'd have some kind of thing in the lot. It's maybe just a little sign. A little plaque. A little plaque. That says yeah. the sound. Yeah, the this sand is lot. the sand yeah. lot. <laughs> One of the hardest sets to build was the treehouse which is a central set piece in the film. Evans did not have a large budget, and he knew that buying a tree big enough to hold a treehouse could cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, God. Yep. Yeah, yeah. wood is expensive already. Still in right. tree form, I feel yep. like. Yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like, well, why don't you just plant one? Yeah, yeah. and wait, and wait how many years? 300 yeah. years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Production designer Chester Kaczynski happened to be driving by a historic home that was roughly 200 years old, with a massive oak tree. Just as he was passing the house, Chester saw that a man was starting up a chainsaw to cut down the tree. He stopped the man, who told him that the tree was destroying the foundation of the house and needed to be removed. Chester asked if they could use it for the film. How wow. amazing. Yeah. Incredible. How convenient. Yes. I yeah. mean, what a, I mean, honestly. It's like fate. Fortuitous. Yes. Yeah. Fortuitous. Yes. Yeah. In just a few days, the production team acquired two 50-foot flatbed trailers and connected them together. In order to transport the tree, they had to call the phone and power companies, asking them to remove the lines so that they wouldn't snag on the humongous oak. <laughs> Imagine yeah. how, oh, what a pain <laughs> in the ass that was for the people that live in that neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. oh my God. You imagine how yeah. mad, they were probably like, sure, sure, yeah, you can use our sandlot. Yeah, sure, that's yeah. fine. And they're probably like, no power for how long? <laughs> it's 1992. We can't call people from our houses. Uh, what are we gonna do? I thought this was the future. <laughs> it's the nineties. <laughs> Once they managed to get the set piece to the sandlot set, they used a big crane to dig a hole, placing the tree inside and filling the hole with about fifteen to twenty cubic yards of cement. To ensure that the leaves would remain green throughout the shoot, the production team replaced millions of natural leaves with silk ones. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That tree looks great in this yeah, movie. Yeah. It looks fantastic. So, so if they didn't remove it and it had the silk leaves, maybe they still look pretty good. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, except maybe. They're, well, except they're except old. the base of the tree would be rotted out. Yeah. Oh, true. Yeah. I imagine. Yeah, probably not, not very good. <laughs> Dang it. Not very good. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I know one of the cast members, one of the kids said that they actually took home some of the silk leaves after oh, shooting. Oh, nice. They, oh, they took some. Oh, cool. They, they used it to decorate. It's like in their kitchen or something that's now. Cool. <laughs> oh, that's that's really cool. The Sandlot would not have become the cult classic we know and love today without the team, a cast of quirky and lovable tweens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, Scott, that's Timmy and Tommy Timmons. Mike Squince Pelladors. Alan McLennan, we call him Yeah Yeah. 
Bertram Grover Weeks, Kenny DeNunez, and Hamilton Porter. We call him Ham. Guys, this is Scott Smalls. Hi. Originally, David Evans wanted younger boys to portray the characters, like aged 9 or 10. When casting began, he quickly realized that this age would be much too young on screen, and raised it to 12 or 13-year-old boys. Grant Gelt played Bertram, the team's second baseman. Bertram didn't have a lot of lines, but Gelt was clearly talented, and Evans would find things for him to say in the film. Gelt originally read for Smalls, but was called back in to read for Bertram. Gelt later said that Evans picked the kids and not the characters. When he looks back at the movie, he sees a lot of himself in the character. His favorite scenes to film were either the 4th of July scenes, where the boys play baseball at night, or the carnival scenes. In one famous scene, he sneaks a pack of chewing tobacco for the kids to all try. The boys take a piece and immediately hop on a ride. Oh, gosh. <laughs> As the song Tequila plays, the boys collectively get sick all over the ride. You guys remember this part, right? Absolutely. Yeah. The poor other people riding. Oh, I know. You feel so bad. People are vomiting on people's feet and stuff. Yeah. In uh, you know this tobacco. It's a whole team. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole team of kids barfing on the ride at the same time. <laughs> Director Evans actually wanted the song "Wooly Bully" for this scene. But the musicians behind the song wanted too much money. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> the soundtrack for this movie is really interesting. Like, the music, the needle drops that they do mm-hmm. throughout. So, like, this scene, you know, you think of this scene, you think of the song Tequila. Yeah. 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 Which fits so much better it than Wooly Bully anyway. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most memorable things about Bertram is his ambiguous ending. As the film wraps, the adult Smalls provides a voiceover explaining what happened to each member of the team. He says that Bertram got really into the 60s and no one ever heard from him again. Yep. Craziness. Okay. What (laughs) What happened to Bertram? What really happened to Bertram? Yeah. 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 I know some people have speculated that maybe when he says got really into the 60s, they mean like he got really into like drugs Drugs. maybe. Yeah. Or the the 60s like counterculture or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Brandon Adams played Kenny DeNunez, the pitcher. David Evans described Brandon Adams as a very polite and cool kid that hasn't changed much as an adult. Adams was one of the last kids cast for the film and had to learn how to pitch for the part. He joked that he almost broke a few cameras. (laughs) As the pitcher, Kenny's signature pitch was the heater. He was also considered to be one of the best players on the team. As Adult Smalls explains, that he went on to play professional baseball, just never in the major leagues. Yeah. He yeah. says that he played triple-A ball or something like yeah. that near the end of the movie. And he also says that he coaches a little league team called the Heaters, uh, named cute. after his pitch. Cute. Yeah. It's super right. cute. I always liked Kenny. Yeah. Patrick Renna played Ham, the catcher. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Renna was great at ad-libbing and would go on to star in several other films in the 90s. You've seen him a few yeah. in a few different places. Yeah, definitely. He was also one of the last kids cast in the film and was told that if he got along with the other kids, he got the job. Wow, they bas- easy. <laughs> yeah, they basically told him he came in for the interview and they needed to catch a plane that day to yeah. go to Utah. So mm-hmm. he came in, they said, you got the part and you also have to catch a flight. Yep. <laughs> wow. Holy cow. What a thing for the parents, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ham's smart mouth made him an audience favorite. He is, without a doubt, the most quoted character from the movie, with his most famous line being, You're killing me, Smalls. Hey, you want some more? Some more what? No, no, you want a s'more. I haven't had anything yet. So how can I have some more of nothing? You're killing me, Smalls. He also delivered classics like, You play ball like a girl. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Oh, my God. Classic 1960s. Yeah, absolutely. Classic 60s. It's so funny because there's always a character like this. Yeah. But this one is so 
perfect for Sandlot. You know yeah. what I mean? It, it it fits in this type of movie. Yep. Perfectly. Yep. And such confidence too. Yes. Just like oh, yeah. unapologetically like so much confidence. Is, yeah. I know there's a part in the movie where <laughs> where he takes the the bat and he he points out yep. into the field. He calls a shot. He's calling his shot, you know, and they all laugh at him. Yeah. 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 You know, Cuz he would so, miss. Most so ridiculous. Yeah. 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 The great Hambino. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Shane Obudzinski played Tommy Repeat Timmons, the right center fielder. At age 10, Shane was the smallest kid in the cast and played the youngest character, Timmy's younger brother. He also originally read for Smalls. Hmm. Yeah, that was back when they wanted the younger ages. Yes, yes. Yeah. He had a great sense of comedic timing, and his shtick was to repeat his brother without missing a beat. Yes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Shane had already appeared in the 1991 film My Girl before The Sandlot. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. Victor DiMatteo played Timmy Timmons, the first baseman. DiMatteo was always happy and smiling on set, and he loved the treehouse set with all the 1960s toys. Timmy and Tommy Timmons were neighbors to Mr. Myrtle, and their house was part of the sets built for the film. I think it's implied that it's his treehouse, that it's their treehouse uh-huh. that the kids are playing in. I don't think it's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Also, Timmy and Tommy Timmons <laughs> is ridiculous because <laughs> you can't have the last name Timmons and then name your child Timmy. Timmy, Timmy Timmons. Just... I don't know. It's cute, though, in yeah. a way. It's cute. Okay, but when he's 30, he's going to think he's it's gonna less be cute. Tim Timmons. <laughs> yeah. As the kids plot to retrieve the baseball from Mr. Myrtle's yard, they orchestrate a mission from their treehouse that involves several vacuum cleaners and a pulley system. When the pipes get clogged, there's a massive explosion in the treehouse, and Timmy is the one trapped inside. Whoops. I don't know if you guys remember that yes. part. Yes, I do. I, love... I remember when he walks out. Yes, yep. it's the the, the <laughs> it explodes. Yep. And you see this massive dust cloud. Yep. Yeah. And then it's just like they don't even realize it, I think, yet that one no. of them's not there. Yep. And then you hear the the slow <laughs> footsteps as he Yep. He just walks out covered. Yeah. <laughs> he shakes his head. Covered. <laughs> and it's just like the sound effect. It sounds like you're clapping chalk erasers. <laughs> Like, yeah, and yeah. it barely does much of anything. Yeah, to get anything out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so much comes out, but there's yeah. still so much left. Yeah, and he's yeah. just like, "We're going about this all wrong." I blame myself, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's and it's it's stinks because that it almost worked. That and one. it was so yeah. close. They were so close. It was that, such a good. One. It was such a good plan. Chauncey Laparty played Michael Squints Palidorus. Another fan favorite, Squints delivers some of the most iconic lines from the film and stars in the infamous lifeguard scene. Although the character is known for his trademark black horn-rimmed glasses, Lepardi does not wear glasses in real life. He will, however, put them on for the fans at conventions and other appearances. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. They maybe not mm-hmm. recognize him otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's maybe. he's like it's so entwined with the character. Yes. He just does it. Yeah. Uh, he takes a lot of pictures with the fans, especially like there were a lot of I saw a lot of ones where kids were also <laughs> dressed up as squints. Oh, they wow. had the horn rimmed glasses, mm-hmm. and so then they would get a picture with him with nice. his horn rimmed glasses. Uh. Squints is the character tasked with telling the legend of the beast, the horrifying monster dog that lives on the other side of the Sandlot fence. According to him, when Mr. Myrtle asked how long he had to keep his murderous dog locked up, the police's response was, forever. (laughs) Forever. I love the scene where yeah. he tells this story. I mean, he really, he sets it up so well. He does, yeah. Like, it's this horror story. He's doing the thing with the flashlight. <laughs> a long time ago, before any of us were old enough to pick up a baseball. <laughs> you know, they're 11. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, what, a couple... Yeah. Like two years ago. <laughs> yeah. And I like how he increases some of the numbers and stuff. Because yes. he, he'll be like, yeah, yeah, the beast killed 120, 140. Or I think it, yeah. maybe it was 175. Yeah. <laughs> but after a while, the cops started getting phone calls from people reporting all the missing thieves. The ones the beast had killed. It added up to about 120, 173 guys. It's true. They never found a single body, not one. 
Some people say they all got away. But we all know what really happened. The beast ate them. He ate them bone and all. And yeah, in this in this flashback, the dog is obviously a, basically like a baby dinosaur. Mm-hmm. And yeah. mm-hmm. instead of putting the dog down, that's eaten all of these people. They're they're just <laughs> yeah. gonna chain him up, chain him up, <laughs> yep. forever. And yeah, forever, and just keep him in a yard around all these kids. <laughs> yeah, where yeah, kids play right baseball. next to yeah. yeah, just a just a thin wooden <laughs> fence between. Thin. Yeah, <laughs> Maddie York played yeah yeah the third baseman. Evans noticed that York had a naturally quirky laugh, which he featured in the movie. York was originally cast as Bertram. One day during rehearsal, they came up to him and told him that they wanted him to read for a different part that would require a lot of energy. So York's mother gave him a Hershey bar before the audition. In one scene, Yaya gets lifted over the fence to retrieve the ball. When he comes face to face with the beast, the other boys pull him out in a panic. Yaya screams and then blows a raspberry on his finger in the middle of his hysterics. This unscripted moment was inspired by Bugs Bunny cartoons. Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember, he's like, ah, ah, and he takes a pause to go, ah, 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 like he's, yeah, yeah. for yes. some reason. I remember him doing that. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, I remember watching going, what is he doing? I'm like, why? The silliest thing. He's just like do. sounding the alarm, like, yep. York was in a bad car accident in 1997 and basically had to relearn how to walk. He got into physical therapy and then weight training. And if you've seen him recently, you might have noticed that he is quite buff. Yeah. Oh, man. If you see him in any interviews, he's... Yeah. I, you know, because when I first was watching them now, I thought that that was Benny. Like, my yeah. mind was like, oh, that must be Benny. And then it's like, Because he's no. so huge. Yeah, that's... <laughs> He's, wow. what the, he's what the kids but, call swole, I think. Yes. Jacked. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Tom Geary played Scotty Smalls, the film's narrator and the left-center outfielder. According to IMDb, The Sandlot was Geary's acting debut. He remembers the hiring process being really long, but he ultimately landed the lead. Although his on-screen character was timid and shy, Tom was an outgoing 11-year-old. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, yeah. landing a lead in your first mm. ever role. Yeah. That's crazy, even that's if you're good. a kid. According to Tom, David Evans's newborn was very sick during filming, and so Evans was flying back and forth from California and Utah. Aww. That's really hard. Yeah. yeah. As the lead, Smalls appears in many of the iconic scenes in the film, generally as an observer to the wild antics of his friends. He's the one that sets the plot in motion when he hits his first home run off of a Babe Ruth signed ball right into the clutches of the beast. <laughs> know. The story is so poetic that way. Yeah, yeah. all the times. <laughs> like... Mike Vitar played Benny, the Jet Rodriguez. Benny! Mike Vitar was the first kid that auditioned for David Evans, which convinced him that he was right to choose older actors for the film. Evans auditioned thousands of others but vitar won the part man yeah nice. he was perfect yeah. first try so good vitar was as kind as his character and the other boys really seemed to look up to him which really showed on screen he was also naturally talented at baseball and performed almost all of his own stunts yeah the kids it's so obvious that the kids have this level of respect for him mm-hmm. it makes sense that you know in real life it was like that too yeah you know they all kind of treat him like he's an older brother mm-hmm. yeah although smalls is the main character benny is the hero of the movie not only does he accept smalls as a member of the team he also saves the day at the end of the movie yeah Vitar's older brother pablo played the older version of him at the end of the movie. So cute. Hey. Oh, it's so cute. It's like, no wonder he looks so much like I him. I know, yeah. Um, he left acting to become a firefighter. Of course he did, because yeah. he oh. is amazing. Yeah, uh, agreed. Yeah. What, a, what a cool guy. Very yep. noble of him. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So he's often, he's usually missing from the, yeah. the cast things because he's, he's off saving lives. Besides the team, there were other standout performances from the supporting cast. Dennis Leary played Bill, the Smalls' stepdad. 
Not only does Smalls deal with not being accepted by the team, he also struggles with his awkward relationship with his new stepfather, Bill. Bill is interested in baseball, and he is the one that owns the ball that Smalls loses to the Beast. Yeah. Leary has been in many productions like The Thomas Crown Affair and Ice Age. Yeah. Oh, man. I love Diego. (laughs) I know. Diego is awesome. Karen Allen played Mom. No other name, just Mom. (laughs) (laughs) Allen is also known for portraying Marion in the Indiana Jones franchise. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, and she has this really cool, like, little speech at the beginning of the movie where she's talking to Scotty, Mm -hmm. and she's trying to get him to go out and make friends, and she says, go, get in trouble. Yeah. You know? Not too much, but some. Yeah. Yeah. And I I remember, like, watching that as a kid, and I was like, I want my mom to say that to me. Right? Yeah. I want want permission to get into trouble. But yeah, she seems very supportive, and she at least tries really hard to get... Yeah, she she is very understanding that the situation that she's putting her son through must be tough. Yeah. So she's trying to get him to be like, hey, you know, be a kid, please. Yes. But also, Bill, you need to freaking help. Yes. Will Horneff plays Phillips, the rival player. Oh, boy. Horneff. (laughs) Horniff didn't have to audition. He had gotten a role in the movie A Far Off Place, but in that movie, they decided to cast older kids for the roles, so getting the role of Phillips was kind of a consolation prize. (laughs) It took about a week to film the famous face-off scene where Ham traded insults with Phillips. This scene also includes the song Green Onions and the famous You Play Like a Girl line. Kids always come up with the craziest things (laughs) you'd never think of. Yeah, it's really, it's quite a gross scene, all of the things that they say back and forth to each other. You eat dog crap for breakfast, geek. You mix your weeds with your mama's toe jam. You bob grapples in the toilet and you like it. You play ball like a girl! It gets it's, real quiet. Yeah. Like, he, like, he pulled out the ultimate. Yeah, yep. the ultimate yep. uh, insult, I guess. Yeah. To a young boy in the, 1960s. in the 1960s who only is surrounded by other young boys. Yeah. 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 That, is a, that is the biggest insult. <laughs> Will drew inspiration from the bullies in his own life for the part. Yeah, he said he he was on the smaller side, so he often Uh got bullied. James Earl Jones plays Mr. Myrtle, the owner of the Beast slash Hercules. Oh, this was like one of our favorite parts when we were kids. Man, what a reveal this is. Oh my gosh, yeah. To see James Earl Jones Mm -hmm. at the end of this movie. Especially because in the the story that Squints tells, Mm -hmm. it is a totally different guy. Yeah. 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 Because they have no clue. They don't know what he looks like. Yeah. Yeah. They're just so, (laughs) you know, when they're picturing the story, this fantastical tale, you know. Jones is known for his golden voice, playing the likes of Darth Vader and Mufasa in The Lion King. At the end of The Sandlot, he turns out to be a kind man that loves baseball, just like the boys. If they had just asked him for his help, they could have avoided all the trouble they endured all summer. Yeah. Right? Turns out to be like (laughs) the best possible thing. Yes. Oh my gosh. And he's so good at playing like kind of just like this grouchy old man. Mm. Like, come on in. But like, he's, but he's kind. (laughs) Sternly nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I would describe it. Yeah. He's incredible because he senses it immediately. He's like, Mm. you're in trouble, son. Like, something's wrong. Like, you're in trouble. Yep. Nobody has ever gone yeah. to this much trouble for yeah. a to for get a baseball, baseball yeah. from my yard. <laughs> you in trouble, aren't you, son? Yeah, well, uh, that was my stepdad's ball. I took it without asking. It was signed by Babe Ruth. George signed this? George Herman Ruth? Yeah. I take it back. You're not in trouble. You're dead where you stand. Character actor Art LaFleur played Babe Ruth. After spending days trying to retrieve the ball, Benny has a dream featuring Babe Ruth, 
Walking straight out of a black and white photo, the famed baseball player tells Benny to simply hop the fence and get the ball. <laughs> He's like, yeah, go just... get it. <laughs> this is one yeah. of the one of the like coolest moments in the movie yeah. for me, just because of he just walks out of the black and white. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really cool actually yeah he's he's black and white and grainy too you know yeah so you yeah see like the, yeah he's got the cigar in his mouth babe ruth was yep. known for always smoking cigars mm-hmm. and yeah mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah he had the look yeah the yep. look down just as he's about to walk back into history babe ruth sees a hank aaron baseball card in benny's room he asks if he can have it and benny gives it to him Back in 1962, Babe Ruth's home run record of 714 would remain unbroken for 12 more years until Hank Aaron shattered the record in 1974. This little joke was a nod to this piece of baseball trivia. This joke is hilarious. (laughs) It's very funny. The idea that Babe Ruth... In 1962, the yep. ghost of Babe Ruth in 1962 yep. already knows that Hank Aaron is going to break is his going record because yeah. he walks up and he goes, "Huh, Henry Aaron? Mind if I have this?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like this is gonna be this be pretty valuable, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because the Sandlot takes place in the 1960s, the actors got to wear a lot of fun period costumes. One of the most important costume pieces was the pair of PF flyers that Benny wears to take down the beast. Hell yeah. (laughs) Yes. PF flyers were guaranteed in the ads to make a kid run faster and jump higher. And they were much more expensive than regular sneakers. It's so funny because you can tell they're special because Benny brings them out in the shoebox. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. like like it's yeah. something he never wears. A, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're only using these yeah, in just the today. <laughs> yeah. Director David Evans remembered seeing and believing the ads as a child, and so he added th- this detail to the movie. Evans could never afford the shoes, so putting them in the movie was almost like a wish fulfillment. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yep. Evans intended for the fence at the end of the Sandlot to be the dividing line between childhood and adulthood. And the PF Flyers represented childhood as well. When Benny leaps over the fence, he brings a little bit of childhood with him as he enters adulthood and prepares to face the terrifying beast that waits for him on the other side. Yeah. The beast that is... taxes (laughs) or or something yeah Yeah. bills sponsor billery those those don't turn out so nice yeah (laughs) i know you can't run back over the fence yeah (laughs) i know and that's why it's so perfect he he jumps over but you know he gets back over the fence he does and it doesn't matter that he got back over the fence because the dog is coming after him right (laughs) right back over you know and they have that beautiful chase scene to the tune of wipeout (laughs) (laughs) yes i love Uh, this chase i love it so much and the you know he runs through the town and they're doing their like feather founders day festival and stuff and all this everything and and the part that i love the most Mm -hmm. is when he crashes a screening of the wolfman yes and right as that's going in you know the beast busts through through the screen yep oh it's so good Another standout piece of costume was the long-billed hat worn by Smalls at the beginning of the movie. You know, the one that Benny tells him to burn. (laughs) (laughs) This hat was inspired by hats that Evans and his brother Scott had received from their grandfather. When Evans was growing up in the early 70s, his grandparents and cousins all lived along the East Coast in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. His grandfather had a little boat and gifted them these hats that had long bills and a fish on the front. He and his brother wore them all the time and felt like real fishermen. This is one of Evans' favorite memories as a child. Aww. That's really sweet. sweet. (laughs) It is not expressly said in the movie, but Scotty supposedly moved from a place like Pennsylvania to the valley. When Evans told the costume director, Grania Preston, this story, she decided that she needed to find a long-billed hat 
with a trout on the front of it. It's, it's pretty ridiculous. It looks so silly. He's so little. <laughs> right. And it's, and it's just it so exaggerates long. how long it is. Yeah. I feel like though, if I had one of those, yeah, I would wear it because it would probably work better. Yeah, it would protect your face yes. from than sun. The normal and hat. Yeah. so much better. With the hat on Smalls' head, it looks silly. But when the adult version of Smalls wears it at the end of the movie, you can see how it's the perfect visual tie to the beginning of the movie and represents who Smalls is as a character. Yeah. That's all we need to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At the end of the movie, we know that Smalls just because we see the hat. That's Mm -hmm. it. They don't have to say anything else, you know. Because he's doing the announcing, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you yes. know, and uh, he's up there, and you just see, you know, he turns his head, you see the hat before you see his face. Yeah. Prop master Terry Haskell was a huge baseball fan and had his own collection of memorabilia. He pulled a Kansas City Monarchs hat from his collection and offered it up for filming. The hat would be worn by Brandon Adams, who played Kenny. Brandon himself was originally from Kansas, so the hat had a special connection to him. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. The hat was part of the 1942 uniform of the Kansas City Monarchs, the most accomplished baseball team in the Negro Leagues with 13 titles, with their second title win in 1942. The hat's colorful style was a favorite among collectors because of its classic look, and it fit perfectly in the movie. Jackie Robinson was a Kansas City monarch before he broke the color barrier in 1947. When the boys meet Mr. Myrtle at the end of the film, they learn that he also played in the Negro Leagues and knew Babe Ruth. Yeah, so the hat really does have a really cool tie-in with the movie. Yeah. Yeah. The Sandlot is filled with several standout scenes that represent a childhood summer. There's the 4th of July evening picnic where the boys play under the light of a firework-filled sky. The scene where the boys all try tobacco for the first time to disastrous results. Or the scene where the boys have a slumber party in their treehouse, all of which are memorable. But possibly the most famous moment of the film is the iconic pool scene. Right. Like, there's oh, really famous boy. lines, right? Yep. And there's yep. really, yeah. you know, sure. Yeah. But the scene that's the most famous yep. is the pool scene. <laughs> yes, most No certainly. doubt. Oh, boy. <laughs> when it's too hot to play a game of baseball, the boys will occasionally head down to the public pool. In this scene, Squints boldly hits on the lifeguard by pretending to drown and kissing her as she performs life-saving measures. This is low. You fool. Yeah. I mean, and they say it in the movie. They're like, yeah. this is, I mean, this is, this is yeah. messed up. <laughs> you, can't, you really shouldn't do this. Yeah. <laughs> this is, oh my God. Yep. yep. Oof, desperate. Cool. <laughs> this scene was filmed at Lauren Farr Swimming Pool. For several weeks, the weather had been sweltering, reaching 110 degrees. But when it came time to shoot the pool scenes, the sky was overcast and the water was under 60 degrees. <laughs> oh, no. Yikes. So you might have noticed that the kids are shivering in the scene. And this is why. Sometimes you feel cold standing outside the pool. Yeah. yeah. Even if it's not that Right. Cold like out. it's, mm-hmm. yeah, you like cool so, off and then you get up and then, and then yeah. the wind yeah. blows and so, you're like, ooh. Yeah. So it's not completely unrealistic. Yeah. 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 Evans did not tell the boys who was going to play Wendy, the lifeguard. So her first scene in the movie was the first time the boys saw her as well. Wow. Yeah. How cool is that? Marley Shelton played Wendy. In the scene, they only had one chance to film her diving into the water because she would be too wet to try the take again. Marley is critical of the dive, saying that her feet are too far apart. But saving a life would probably earn Wendy style points. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter what I you think look it's okay. like. It's, a <laughs> yeah. like, it's all good. You, yeah. got the, you got the job done, and that's what matters. For weeks, Chauncey was nervous to do the scene, possibly because of the seven-year age difference between the actors. Oh, it's yeah. rough. Evans purposely didn't give him the schedule, so Chauncey would ask every day if they were shooting the scene. (laughs) (laughs) When it came time to shoot, he gave Chauncey one direction. He told him to keep his tongue in his mouth 
which he did. And they got it in one take. Okay. So we're going to talk. I'm going to do a little bit. I'm going to do the reception and fun facts. All right. For the film. Yes. All right. So when The Sandlot was released, reviews are mostly favorable. The movie has a 64% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which I feel is a little low. Yeah. Roger Ebert gave the movie three stars and said, There was a moment in the movie when Rodriguez hit a line drive directly at the pitcher's mound, and I ducked and held up my mitt. And then I realized I didn't have a mitt. And it was then that I also realized how completely this movie has seduced me with its memories of what really matters when you are 12. Yep. That's exactly, that's it. That's the movie. There it yeah. is. Yeah. Yep. You know, where he's, that. you know, you're watching it and you're like, yeah, I remember when this was so important mm-hmm. to me. Not yep. necessarily this, like what's going on yeah. here, but just like totally. the issues that I was having at this age. And how they just, I mean, swallowed you whole. I remember being so scared of science fair. Like, oh my God. I I, seriously, (laughs) I remember telling my parents, like, I said, please, can I just go to sleep for two weeks and then just wake up? Like, I just want to sleep through science fair. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I was so scared to do science fair. The movie made around $40 million at the box office, which by today's standards doesn't seem like very much. However, the movie gained cult status once it was made available on VHS and DVD and made nearly twice its box office earnings. It's <laughs> craziness. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The film also saw additional releases on Blu-ray for its 20th and 25th anniversaries. Wow. Yay. It's so interesting to hear about, like, yeah, like its resurgence. Really? It felt like every single person I knew growing up had seen this movie. Yeah, yep. yeah. Few movies have had as much of a positive impact on a generation as The Sandlot. Considered by many to be one of the best sports movies of all time, it reached multiple generations when it was released. Like kids who loved to play baseball and had big dreams, as well as adults who grew up in the 1950s or 60s and remember similar times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. It, it, yeah. It, it still feels like that, you know. The nostalgia for just childhood. Yeah. Yep. And then for people of that generation, nostalgia for that specific childhood. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Of the 60s. Yeah. So. Watching it with my dad is, is so interesting because he always kind of gets really excited because he wasn't 12 in 1962, mm-hmm. but he mm-hmm. did grow up in the 60s. Yeah. So and in a small town. <laughs> and yep. so, you know, he recognizes so many of the things yeah, that happens yeah. in the movie and you know the, the toys and the you know just the things they talk about yeah. and extra yeah. relatable yeah they really did a great job of placing this movie mm-hmm. yeah. which is why i think we all remember it as an older movie yeah because i if you had Asked me to guess when this movie came out. I certainly wouldn't have said 1993. No, yeah, it really no. feels way older than that. Yeah. Yep. It really feels like it's a, like not necessarily a 60s movie. Yeah. But no. it really feels like it is older than 1993, mm-hmm. partially because of the time period, but also because it had reached cult status by the time we were children. Right. Yeah. So like, and we were born in the early 90s. So yeah. to us, it's like, dude, how did that happen? Right, yeah. <laughs> right. Because usually cult movies are, have been around and like, yeah. had the time, had their time of being like a not great movie. Yeah. And have yep. come back around. It, it, it's interesting. It, it had a strange, strangely different impact, you know? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it didn't smash box office records but it got it got under people's skin yeah people mm-hmm. remember this movie mm-hmm. <laughs> yep so here are some fun facts during the production the kids snuck into a showing of the definitely not kid-friendly film basic instinct oh boy <laughs> it's kind of like yeah. a, i think the the kids on screen would have been proud for that that seems yeah. like a very yeah yeah know. a very sandlot thing to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah the chewing tobacco that the kids try in the movie was made with licorice and bacon bits. <laughs> Disgusting. Oh, no. After I would s- throw that up, too. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> After several takes in the carnival ride, they felt almost as sick as the characters they were portraying. The vomit in the scene was a mixture of pea soup, baked beans, oatmeal, water, and gelatin. Oh, Ugh, gross. <sighs> Dude, it really looks like vomit. I, yeah, it does. Why the did, oatmeal was a nice touch. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah. I, why didn't they do just licorice or just bacon bits? Like, I know. Why, why both? both? Ooh. 
Maybe it was to really keep the kids off of tobacco forever. Maybe, maybe it was like, like this oh, is yeah. what this is. This is really what tobacco tastes like. Yeah. Kids. like maybe that's <laughs> what to they be told honest them. With you, I bet it's worse. Uh, yeah, I yeah, bet you it is. Prop master Terry Haskell handed Dennis Leary a glove with a Mickey Mantle signature. He refused to wear it, saying, Terry, for God's sakes, you're giving me a Yankees glove, and I'm a Boston fan. I'm not wearing this. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and awesome. the prop master was a huge like baseball person, so he mm-hmm. probably knew what he was doing, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, wear this glove, sucker. <laughs> There was a scene that they ended up not having time to film where the boys were supposed to be over at Benny's house watching a Dodgers game. They were to see Mari Will steal a base. Oh. Mm. That would been interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. they, they had all these kind of loose ties to the Dodgers. Yes. Just because of where they were. Yes. But it would have yeah. been interesting to see them really... Yeah, and because Benny is was destined to play yeah. for the yeah. Dodgers, and he does at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, yeah. Besides being played by an English Mastiff, the Beast slash Hercules was also a puppet in some scenes that had been operated by two people. At the end of the movie, Hercules licks Smalls' face. In order to get the dog to do this, the crew smeared baby food all over his face. Oh, gross. <laughs> oh, so if you guys Funny. remember, the fence collapses at the end yep. of the movie uh-huh. on top of the dog. Yep. And Smalls goes over and lifts the fence off yep. the dog. Yeah. And the dog just absolutely <laughs> slobbers all over Dude, his face. Mastiff's already slobber like <laughs> So to have it also be licking your face. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The famed pool scene inadvertently saved a man's life when his 10-year-old twins performed CPR in him. They said that they remembered seeing it in his favorite movies, The Sandlot and Hook. <laughs> in 2013, The Sandlot was screened at Dodgers Stadium following a game. Oh, oh that's real sweet. Yeah, that's I, cute because of the Dodgers ties. Yeah, yeah. I hope yeah. they won that game. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's true. You don't really know. Yeah, the end of the movie, they show Benny as an adult playing for the Dodgers, and he steals home. <laughs> How often does that happen in real life? Probably not Rare. Very. It's yeah. rare. Yeah. yeah, that's something that you don't do very often. Those PF flyers, man. <laughs> yeah. A former classmate of David Mickey Evans sued 20th Century Fox for basing the character of Squints on him causing him embarrassment. The judge dismissed the case due to lack of similarities between the character and the person filing the suit. The man's name was Michael Polydorus. Because <laughs> oh. nice. his character's name is Michael Squints Palidorus or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, that's ridiculous, <laughs> It's <man>. close. <laughs> get that out of here. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Honestly, this movie... It doesn't really even feel all that dated, mm-hmm. and it's there aren't any characters that you really dislike. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. e- even the quote unquote bad guys of the movie, <laughs> the the, yeah. the bullies yeah. or or the beast, and you know the mm-hmm. antagonists, I should say. Yeah, you know you can't you can't hate anybody because it's just this great story of summer and the love of baseball and, and friendship and friendship. Yeah. yeah. It's really cool. It is really cool. And it shows, you know, just how it's just kind of this frozen in time story mm-hmm. of yeah. the summer, you know, which you can revisit over and over again, you know, and it never changes and that's really yeah. cool. Right. You know, and at the end of the movie, they have that, you know, kind of that montage of people fading away. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, over time kids moved away and, you know, we had more summers, but none of them was like the first one, you know. And that's, right. you know, it's just kind right. of like yep. that's growing up. That's childhood. That's the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So it's a perfect little picture yep. mm-hmm. of childhood and summer and a very nice way to, to do a coming of age story. And it's always fun to watch over and over again, especially yeah. around yep. a time like Fourth of July, because yeah. it just puts you in that mood, you know. Yeah, uh, and it's so funny. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> you Ugh. know, you, the kids really, you know, believing that the beast is this actual monster that right? will actually eat them. Yeah, you yeah. know, and, and by the end of the movie, it's like, how did we believe that? That's so crazy, right. you know. I, I also, they've grown so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love how 
the whole time it's this like jaws type <laughs> thing yeah. Yeah. where they never show it in its entirety yeah. until the end yep just like and jaws. it's just a dog and it's yep. just a dog yeah and it's, it's not even dog. a bad dog yeah it's not even you know he's just you no. know you know, yeah. dogs bark at strangers. It's yeah, just, it exactly. happens, but that doesn't That's necessarily it. mean they're mean. I mean, yeah. my tiny little wiener dog does that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. then as soon yep. as you get close enough, yeah. she's like, oh, a friend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and you know, and so, when, when Benny runs, the dog chases him because it's like, yeah. oh, it's a game. A game. Yeah. 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 He's got the ball that would be fun to play with. Yeah. The Sandlot is the kind of movie that brings people together. It's not that it touches on shared experiences, because many of us might not have experienced the life portrayed in the movie. Instead, it brings shared feelings to the surface. Watching a group of kids stress about retrieving a baseball reminds us of what we cared about as children. Seeing this group of friends work together to solve one kid's problem reminds us of the friendships we forged in the past and how those bonds helped make us who we are. So if you ever need a little bit of summer, let the Sandlot bring you back to those exciting days filled with long hours of sunshine and getting into trouble with your friends. And if you still haven't had the chance to see it, give it a try. You might end up loving it forever. <laughs> forever. Forever. Oh, classic, classic. Oh, thank you all so much for listening. Yeah. That is going to be a case closed. Beautiful. <laughs> love it. Love it. Yes. Thank you again. Before we go, we'd like to thank our patrons, John, JD, Anthony, Shelly, Bob, Jaron, and Jacob. Yeah. Thank you all so very much. We can't do this without you. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to follow us on social media, you can do that. Where, wherever you find us, um, <laughs> just go to blackcasediaries.com where you can find You'll the blog find it there. Yeah. and all yep. links to all the other stuff. Ooh, yeah. We've got all of our other episodes up there, some old No Small Parts episodes if you want to yeah. catch up on those as well. Um, if you want to leave us a review, that would be swell. You could become a patron as well, patreon.com slash blackcasediaries. Yeah. Um, and we will see you next time. See you next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye now. Bye, Bye. now. Bye. 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 <laughs>